Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now What's up, and welcome to another exciting edition of Bearded B-Roll. I'm Kyle. And I'm Mike, just two bearded dudes here to chat about all the movies you love, hate, don't mind, or simply never heard of. Extreme close-ups on eyeballs in movies. I didn't like the way I said that. I don't like the way you said that, but this topic's weird anyway, so let's keep going. This time we're going to be talking about the top 10 best eye close-ups. What, what creates a good eye close-up? Because this was a struggle for me. There's a couple things that create a good eye close-up, but I think one of the important things to remember about eyeballs is that they're fucking weird. Like, they're just really bizarre. Have you ever looked up close at an iris? I mean, you've drawn eyeballs, so you know what I'm talking about. Like, they are fucking strange. It looks like some kind of weird green-blue, depending on the color. Mountain range. Mountain range, yeah, inside somebody's somebody's eyeball, and that's just like... But they're not weird. Each one of those cones and peaks are like, they have a purpose for collecting light. I guess what I'm saying is it's creepy and it's like intricacy, you know? If you look super, super zoomed in on a capillary or something, it's like fucking bizarre. So I think that's one of the things that comes across in a good movie eye close-up. But sometimes it also just has to do with what's trying to be conveyed in terms of like what the characters... Well, reflections, yes, but also what the character's experiencing. And I think this list kind of covers all of those bases. Um, and I think eye stuff in general just tends to make real people really uncomfortable. I st- anytime anybody has anything close to their eye, like if you see a movie where somebody gets like a needle through their eye or fucking that scene in um, the Evil Dead remake. You remember when the girl's stabbing the guy in the face like repeatedly with a hypodermic needle? I don't remember that off the top of my head. Uh, it's been a she's, while. She's stabbing the guy in the face with a, a needle and it's like going through his glasses and hitting him in the face. And then he manages to push her off, but the needle broke and he grabs this little bit of needle sort of beneath his eye and pulls it out and makes this terrible like metallic scraping against bone sound when he does it and it's just it's got to be because of how important eyes are to people like like how much harder life is without being able to see a lot of things would be kind of impossible like it's it's just but that's that's why eye things are like universally close-ups always don't indicate like something about like something terrible about to happen to an eyeball no but i mean I mean, there's something relatable about eyeballs. Like, anytime there's an eyeball. Needles. Then again, also, I just don't like splinters in general. And, like, the more specific the location, the less, like, into it I am. That's fair. And my number something on this list. One of the ones on my list is going to resonate with you really well. Um, Eyeballs. So, eyeballs, I think, are really important. Especially, sometimes they play, um, you know, a specific role in terms of the plotting of the film. Sometimes it's just a cool shot. Sometimes it's a different way to show things. And um, sometimes it's just funny. So number 10 on this list, and I don't know if you've seen it. It's from 1968. 
the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, that I was have not seen it. It was one of the classic uh, Man with No Name trilogy movies starring Clint Eastwood. And the first one was uh, Fistful of Dollars. Then there was For a Few Dollars More. And then there was The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. And it was a really interesting movie. It had to do with finding treasure and cowboys. But then it also kind of came smack dab with like the middle of the Civil War at one point. So it became an interesting historical piece. Isn't that like the movie that like, like I know the scene at least. Isn't it like the movie that kind of made like the Mexican standoff like a standard for cowboy movies? Pretty much, yeah. There's a three-way gunfight scene that takes place between Clint Eastwood and the other two characters. I think Lee Van Cleef was one of them, and I can't remember the other guy's name. And it was just like the camera moving around from eyeball to eyeball to eyeball as they're like waiting to see who's going to draw their guns first. And it was just kind of a classic, like quintessential Western standoff scene. And I think- Is this your eyeball scene? Did I like pick that up? No, that was my number 10. That was my number 10 eyeball scene. No, but I mean like the right movie and the right scene for it. Like I didn't even know the thing about the eyeballs. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, that's that scene. That's like that thing that they invented. And you're like, yeah. And this, you described it. I'm like, oh shit, like, I got this. Yeah, no, you you absolutely got it. Um, and yeah, those were called spaghetti westerns because um, they were made it? It was in Italy. Well, no, they're actually made in Spain, but they were directed by Italians. Um, so that's kind of why that segues me into number nine. And for number nine, I've got. And I can't help but put Kill Bill on like every list for some reason. And I know you don't like that, but I can't help myself. I love that movie. You always try to be like, love this movie. And I was always like, it's like, okay. <laughs> well, I'm referring specifically to Kill Bill Volume 2 because in Kill Bill Volume 1, it was basically like a samurai movie. Kill Bill Volume 2 had a lot more cowboy Western stuff going on and was more Quentin Tarantino's take on like a spaghetti Western. And um, Don't even think I noticed. I think I would probably have just wondered where the sword went. Well, I mean, there was still some swordplay in it, and that's the scene I'm referring to um, with Beatrix and L. Driver, played by Uma Thurman and Daryl Hannah. The one-eyed lady. Spoiler alert, Daryl Hannah has just um, told Beatrix that she she has one eye already um, that is usually color-coordinated. She has an eye patch that's typically color-coordinated with her outfit, and she had just informed Beatrix that she murdered her master, Pai Mei. And so it came to the classic trope of like, yes, I've killed your ambassador, um, which is exactly how she says it. And um, there's like a lot of really close up eyeball scenes on them because they have their first strike with the swords and uh, it goes on for a little while. And then they get locked in in a battle where they're both pushing the swords against each other right up into each other's faces. And, um, you know, the camera's going back and forth from Elle's one eye to Beatrix's eye. And then all of a sudden Beatrix just reaches out and like snatches her eye out, her other eye, and takes it throws it down on the floor and like squishes it between her toes because she's barefoot during the fight scene. Nice. Um, let's see. And if any come to you while I'm talking about these, feel free to like shoot them out there. Um, Hostile. The scene where the girl gets her like eyeball melted and then they cut it off with scissors. Yeah, because that one guy's putting a blowtorch in the, in the Japanese girl's face, right? And he's like yeah. Roasting her eyeball out, and the other guy goes in to like help her out, and he's like, "Oh crap, what do I do?" There's an eyeball hanging down. I specifically here. just looked that up because I remembered there being a scene in Hostel with eyeballs getting messed up. Yeah, no, he snips the like optic nerve, and like all this milky white shit starts coming out of it, and it was just kind of horrifying. That girl did not last super long though, because she saw herself in a reflection later and flung herself in front of a train. All right. <laughs> so number eight for me, um, number eight for me is Spider Man Two from 2004, like one of the real Spider-Mans with Tobey Maguire. Um, oh my God. What? It got uh, weird I'm not a Marvel. That. I'm not a big Marvel movie fan anyway, and Spider-Man was like, whatever. Anyway, Spider-Man 2, 
Doc Ock was the villain in this one. And the scene where Dr. Octavius becomes the villain um, is the same scene where his machine malfunctions and his wife dies. And there's a really cool scene of there's an explosion and there's glass flying everywhere. And it was actually a really tastefully done scene and it looked pretty cool. As all these shards of glass are flying toward the wife's face, we don't see her get impaled by them. We don't see any real blood or violence. We just see a really extreme close up on her eyeball that's reflecting all the shards of glass flying toward her. I got to admit, I have no idea. I don't remember this at all. I don't think I've seen that one that many times. Those Spider-Man movies, all the Spider-Man movies were really just like, like the first one, I I guess I might have like some nostalgia for, but like even still not a, not a huge fan of the Marvel movie series. Anyway. All right. On to number seven. All right. So number seven, and I'm pretty sure you've seen this movie before, and I'm going to just say the title to see if you actually remember the scene. The Devil's Advocate, 1997, Keanu Reeves, Al Pacino. I've seen that movie. I've watched it recently. Love that movie. Don't remember anything really eyeball related, though. At the very end, when Keanu Reeves is, uh, you know, faced with a choice, his father, Milton, uh, the devil, has told him, you know, I need you to sleep with this woman so you can um, create a baby that'll be the Antichrist. And he says, I still have free will, right? And then he shoots himself in the head. And then the camera goes back to Al Pacino and he starts screaming. His shirt rips off. He gets wings that fly out from behind him. Everything in the room starts catching on fire. And then the camera zooms in to his eyeball really close and then like zooms all the way back out to Keanu Reeves at the very beginning of the movie, like right before he first went on his like path that set him toward working in New York with Al Pacino. So it was kind of like a time travel moment where we went back in this eyeball, came out of a different eyeball, and we were back at the beginning of the movie, and they were going to try it all over again from a different angle to get Keanu Reeves to create the Antichrist. Nice. You don't remember that when it like? No, I don't know. I, I guess I didn't. I had to turn it off, so I don't think I actually made it all the way to the end because my kids came in, and that movie's that movie's a lot. Also, did you know that the first Evil Dead and the second Evil Dead also had weird eye scenes? Because apparently, in the originals, zombies got their eyes gouged out a lot with thumbs by Ash. Huh. I, you know, it's been a long time since I actually watched the first Evil Dead movie. I've been meaning to. Uh... To do a rewatch. My favorite movies were the first two. Uh, and the TV series. I love the show. Bruce Campbell's the greatest actor of all time. When is Bruce Campbell's birthday? June 22nd. June, why do you know that? Just off the top of That's my birthday. Head. No way, really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not obsessive. It's just I know that it's my birthday. Like I would kiss Bruce Campbell's eyeballs. I would. I've... <laughs> On the side note of eyeballs, let's just say that I've licked my fair number of eyeballs. Is that like a like an aphrodisiac? Is that does that? No, it was just a thing that I used to do in high school, and then I continued it for a little while, and I licked a cat's eyeball once. I'm sure the cat fucking loved it. Probably not. Nobody was... seems to like it. I never liked when people licked my eyeball, but it happened a lot. What do you call it when you lick somebody's eyeball while they're taking a shit? Is that like a blumpkin, but like an so what's your number six? My number six is uh, from Clockwork Orange. Um, classic scene. It's been imitated a bunch of times. They even did a scene where I think the dog was being conditioned the same way in The Simpsons. Um, so the main character, Alex, played by Malcolm McDowell, is um, 
trying to be rehabilitated by the state. They have uh, kind of foregone giving him a life sentence or a death sentence and put him in a, an experimental re-education camp. So he's got his like this weird headgear on, his eyeballs are being held open by these little metal holders, and they're giving him eye drops as they let him let him force him to watch people being beaten up and raped on television while playing like Beethoven in the background. And the basic idea is to give him a mental aversion to violence and rape so that anytime he sees anything like that or thinks about committing any of those acts, he gets sick to his stomach and feels like he's going to die. Um, yeah, but I mean, I don't understand their technique as actually being something that would work in this movie because like, even when, I'm wa- when I watched this originally, I'm just like, this is stuff he likes. Like you're just showing him things he's no, into. No, no, but they're they're giving him like stuff to make him feel sick. Oh, I didn't I didn't even realize they were like also poisoning him. Yeah, I mean that was so that was like a scene where they do close ups on the eyeballs, they're dripping water in the eyeballs. His eyeballs are like lifted up past where it's a little uncomfortable so you can see all the pink underneath the lids. And it was just a super fucking uncomfortable scene. And anybody that has eyeballs just needs like to close their eyes and blink for a second because you have the ability to when he doesn't. Yeah, the idea of having hooks in your eyeballs to keep them open is horrifying. Also, his makeup in that movie, around his eyeballs, I mean, I now know that it wasn't eyeliner, it was eyelashes, but when I was a kid, I thought it was eyeliner, and when I was into like wearing eyeliner, that's how I would do it. I would just have like one eye with a bunch of lines coming down. No, I mean, it was eyelashes. I mean, yeah, the, the whole thing was fucking weird. They like walk around in these weird white suits. They have white suspenders. They have like these big foam cup areas. They had bowler hats. They would go to this place where there were a bunch of like tables fashioned to look like naked women in various positions. So they, they could drink, drink milk with like heroin yeah, in it or whatever. Fucking chugging their milk. Don't you remember that Rolling Stone cover from like 20 years ago where Eminem had like the eyelash in and he's just like holding a knife up to his cheek and like sipping milk? No. I love that even on the cover, there's a picture of an eyeball. Like, it's like a triangle with an eyeball, right? Yeah. Well, it's like he's holding the knife, but the eyeballs like kind of like hanging off of like a triangle. Yeah. No. I mean, it was it was a weird fucking movie. But then again, so was pretty much everything Stanley Kubrick ever made. So, I just I don't know. I just I always thought that that scene would not actually make him different. And I mean, in the whole context of the movie, in the end, it doesn't. It only lasts a little bit. No, because he fucking gets tortured by the person, a person who had full right to torture him, the person he had like crippled and raped and murdered his wife in front of him, puts him, like locks him in the attic and then puts all these giant speakers on his pool table underneath and like just pumps Beethoven up through the ceiling. So the guy's like up in the attic banging his head against the wall, like, please, because he feels like he's going to die. And then he fucking like jumps out of the window at the end and lands on his head. And somehow that head injury puts him back to... Sort of normal. I don't know. It ends in a weird dream sequence. Normal as in being evil or normal as in being like just normal, like a person? Normal as in being the way he was before. But it like ends with him having this weird dream sequence that there's like a bunch of naked women. And he's like fucking somebody in like a giant white room in front of a bunch of people that are cheering him on. And he's got like a crazy fucking expression on his face. That movie, I, I, I think the one takeaway that I had when I watched that movie when I was younger was like, Everybody was always like movies from the past were so much more like wholesome. What? Yeah, like whatever, whatever. Like, and you'd like watch them. They would be. And then I was like, not the seventies. The seventies were fucked up. There was a lot of naked people, a lot of like rape related themes, and like this. I mean, it depends on what people watched. Like that—that that was the thing. Like, I think it was—it was because people didn't have access to cult materials as much as they do now. Now you can turn on Amazon, you can turn on Netflix, and you can watch like a weird cult movie that not a lot of people went to the theaters to see, and you can just enjoy it anytime you want. Like you can watch fucking 
Spider Baby with Sid Haig on Amazon Prime. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you, you know, back in the seventies or whatever, it was like you didn't have VHS tapes, you didn't have DVDs. If certain theaters weren't showing them because they were too questionable, people just didn't know about them. So there was like a real distinction between mainstream and fucking cult movie that just doesn't exist now, or even in the nineties. So I think that's probably what it is. We just they just didn't have the best access to the fucked up movies, but they definitely had fucked up movies even in the sixties and fifties. It was just another one of those jabs at uh at like the people that are like, oh, today times are so much worse than the past. And it's like, no, it's just easier to tell people about it today than it was back then. It's the same. Definitely. You got anything else about eyeballs? Eyeballs are where you see out of. Some people. Sometimes they, they don't. What kind of glass eye would you get if you like just lost an eye? Would you... I have recently been watching like videos for whatever reason that pop up on Twitter or not Twitter, TikTok sometimes of people getting eyeballs made. And I'm like, I'd probably get like a super sweet, like weird purple colored one. I would definitely go weird colors and themes. Yeah. Or like a, like an eyeball that's made to look like a fly's eyeball with all the little. I thought you were going to say a fly's butthole. And I was like, this is weird. Cause what does that look like? Cause you were like, oh, like a fly's bu- eyeball. And I was like, wait, what? What was it almost? What did you almost say? I think I just almost said ball instead of eyeball. What 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 is a fly's butthole? Do flies even have buttholes? How do they generate waste? Everything has a butthole. We don't need to get into that right now. We can go over buttholes in movies another time. I googled it. Flies butthole and the first thing that came up is a Reddit feed titled If a fly travels up my butthole, what would happen to it eventually? And then the last well, the next one is, um, what if our butt cheeks evolve uh, to keep flies away from our butthole? So this person obviously has a problem with flies trying to get in their butthole. And my advice to that guy would just be... Close your windows. No, wipe get your fucking fly ass. Like, <laughs> get fly traps. Last thing on this list is dirty ass and flies. And that's on X videos. So we're just going to like close that out. Oh, man. I didn't look that up in an incognito tab because I didn't think it would get weird, but... Let's move past that. <laughs> One day you're going to get arrested and they're going to be like, this man is into fly buttholes. Okay, so number five. Number four. Five. What, what number are we on? Pan's Labyrinth, right? Minority Report. Total Recall? No. Are you looking at the list I sent you? Nope. I'm looking at a list I found on the internet. Let's go. All right. So my number five is from 2001, A Space Odyssey. 1968, coincidentally also a Stanley Kubrick film. And this one, I mean, this is a weird fucking movie. I feel like you had to be on drugs to really watch this whole movie all the way through. I've never seen this movie. There's a lot of really cool visual elements to it, like specifically with the anti-gravity and just the way they spin the whole room around and keep the camera stationary and the external shots of the spaceship. It was actually really like great special effects for 1968. The eyeball scene happens. At one point, the character sort of Basically, something happens and he shifts through, I don't know if it's supposed to be a wormhole or some type of time tunnel, and uh, there's a 10-minute close-up on a fucking eyeball. I'm not exaggerating. It was like between 9 and 10 minutes, and it changed- How would you recommend this to people? It wasn't- No, I'm not recommending it. I mean, it's a great fucking movie. It's high on your list of eyeball scenes to watch. It's high on my list because it's the longest eyeball scene to watch. It goes on for, oh my God, so long that you could like fast forward for a little bit and be like, there must be something wrong with this recording. And it, <laughs> it, it doesn't just stay as like a stationary eyeball. It changes. Like 
the tonal correction of it changes. So at one point it's like a blue and orange eyeball, and then it's a green and red eyeball, and then it's a yellow and purple eyeball. And then it's like, it just keeps going back and forth for like 10 fucking minutes. It's um, basically like a discotheque eyeball. And it stays for so long that it's like kind of hilarious. And it comes back around. You're like watching it. It's fucking weird. And then it becomes interesting. And then it becomes boring again. But, you know, Stanley Kubrick was a little experimental, I think, for a mainstream director. It's called Drugs. So have you never seen 2001 A Space Odyssey? I, no. Well, you have to watch it at some point. It's, It's a cinematic classic. All right. So number four, and you have to have seen this movie. I feel like most people have. And if they haven't, they definitely should. Um, it was one of the Highlander. first, like, I don't think there was an eyeball scene in Highlander. Mm, okay. Um, when this movie came out, one of their big ad campaigns was don't tell anybody what happened. Go see it and don't tell your friends what happened. Like, keep it, keep it quiet. Sense. No, uh, Psycho, 1960. Janet Lee, Anthony Perkins. Yeah, I've seen Psycho. I just didn't realize there was like a move, like a whole thing about it. I do know that it was the first American movie to have a toilet flush. Huh. I didn't know that one. (laughs) But no, Psycho, I mean, one of the reasons, and aside from the eyeball thing, is Janet Lee, actually Jamie Lee Curtis's mother, played the main uh, protagonist, at least in the beginning of the film. And it opens up with her robbing the bank she works at, right? And then she's kind of like on the run. And um, the the story follows. Is she a protagonist if she's a bank robber? Can you say protagonist? Protagonist doesn't mean hero. It just means the person the story follows. Yeah, but it doesn't even just... She's only in it for a little bit. I said in the beginning. All right, all right, fine. No spoilers. That was why it was important, actually, because the story followed her, and then all of a sudden, she gets murdered, like, halfway through the film. And that was, like, a big what-the-fuck to people at the time, because that had never happened in a movie before. It just followed, like, the main character throughout the course of the film. So when people saw what they thought was the protagonist die... At the midpoint during the film, they're like, well, fuck, where are we going now? And then they realize that Anthony Perkins is actually the protagonist. So um, when he kills I her, actually don't know if I ever saw the original. I know I saw the remake. Oh, with, God, you uh, watched the one with fucking Vince Vaughn and Anne Heche? Definitely saw that one. I feel like I did see the original because I've seen a, I've watched a lot of black and white movies. I mean, you probably watched it like a long time. It's not the kind of movie. I also like- saw the parody one where the girl had three boobies. The only time I remember a girl having three boobies was in Total Recall. Anyway. So um, I haven't actually said the reason this this is on the list. So the reason Psycho is on this list for eyeballs is because when Janet Lee gets killed in the bathtub, the camera sort of zooms in really, really close on the drain in the bathtub. And you see the water swirling around and it going down. And then the camera transitions to being on her eyeball. And it moves back from a close up on her eyeball and moves slowly out turning the same direction that the water had been going down the drain in. And it was just a very like slow shot. I think they did it from like a still photograph. So she wasn't actually moving in it or anything, but it was just kind of like a, it just kind of hit you. I mean, you're just like, wow, the person I had been following throughout the course of this film is now deceased on the bathtub floor. She is not getting up, but it was also just a really cool transition seeing the way it went from the drain to the eyeball. And, you know, right now it's kind of like, yeah, I've seen that a million times, but when psycho came out, it, it wasn't. So it's, it's, kind of on the list just because it's notably classic um, in that scene. Which means you're probably going to argue with my number three because it's kind of fucking ridiculous, but um, have you ever watched Shaolin Soccer? No. You've told me to, and then I just never saw it. Shaolin Soccer is an amazing movie uh, directed by Stephen Chow, starring Stephen Chow, from 2001. It's about a bunch of guys who were in 
kung fu training together when they were younger, but they've all sort of let themselves go over the years, and they're all middle aged now. And um, the one guy decides that he wants to try to get the band back together to uh, have them all use their kung fu skills in a soccer tournament to win some money. And um, it's basically a very ridiculous, over the top movie. But there's a great dance sequence that takes place at some point where this guy's trying to. I don't think he's trying to hit on the girl at this point so much as just get her to give him free biscuits. But um, he starts singing something, and as people around him are listening, the camera like zooms to each one of them and goes really close to their eyeballs, and you see like a fire explode in their eyeballs. And then each time that happens, they like run forward. So the the people keep getting their attention caught, and like the fire is exploding in their eyeballs till eventually it turns into like a giant flash mob scene, and they're all dancing with the guy in front of the girl. And I know that sounds ridiculous. If you had seen the movie, you might be able to back me up a little on this. Do you want to watch it real quick on YouTube? No. Nope. I like this. Let's go. Well, anyway, Shaolin Soccer. Uh, it's in Cantonese, but if you know how to read, you can read subtitles. And I think that's cool. Um, I actually saw a meme the other day. I don't know if it was a genuine quote, but it was from the guy that directed Parasite. And uh, an interviewer asked him, like, do American movies in Korea have dubbing? And he was like, no, no, no. Koreans know how to read. <laughs> Oh, that's good. And I thought that was a great nod back to the blockbuster days of like, what the fuck do you mean I got to read this fucking movie? Oh my God. How many times do people like bring a movie back and complain and you're like, yo, I thought you knew. Yeah, it's a great fucking movie. I was proud of you when you rented it. Why are you back? Or like we used, at one point we had to just give people warnings for a while. Yeah, like you know you're going to have to read this movie, right? That's only in subtitles, right? All right. Number two. Have you seen Blade Runner? You have yes. to have seen Blade Runner. Okay. I, I don't know which version you watch because there's like five there's like five different cuts of it. I think they finally came out with one that was like the final cut. You know, 20 years later, they still couldn't figure out how they wanted to edit the fucking movie. So they just kept putting out like a new version every time they put one together. But in like the opening scene, um, there's a shot of the city and I don't exactly know what's happening. It's not really like explosions, but there's like bursts of fire coming out of the city and lots of like lights shining from all in all the windows. and there's a great close-up on, I believe it's Decker's eye, uh, Harrison Ford's character. And you can just kind of see this reflection of the city with like the fire curling up the side of his iris in his eyeball. And it's like actually just really pretty. And it was just, it was a great visual moment. It didn't really do anything to advance the plot, but it was just kind of really beautiful. Yeah, I don't know if I have like an opinion on that. I don't, like if we're talking about like movies where you just like see the reflection of stuff in the eye, like a lot of movies do that pretty well. Well, yeah, but I mean, I think it was less common to do it really well before the advent of like everything being CGI. I guess. Oh, I was also thinking about like, if you're watching a horror movie and then like seeing the killer's reflection in the eye, like I know that one, it's like the city, right? Like the cityscape you see, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but like. So uh, honorable mentions, I don't really have too, too much here. Um, just some that kind of stood out to me. I was watching Dread the other day, the, um. Judge Dredd movie with um, Carl Urban, which I think is actually getting a series on HBO Max. At some I never point. saw the new one, so I don't know. I just heard it was more like the comic books. It's not a great movie, but it's... Did you ever see The Raid? Stop asking me if I ever saw movies you told me to watch. It's a great fucking movie. It has the best action scenes. Well, anyway. Um, Honorable mentions. Final Fantasy LASIK Eye Surgery. Final Fantasy? Final Destination. Final Destination 5. Final Destination 5. You know what, though? Screw that scene. That's fine. That's an okay scene. 
You know what's worse than that? Final Destination 1, when the dude is getting down out of the fire escape because he just survived a fire and, like, 15 other things, and then the fire escape, like, goes through his eyeballs. <laughs> that was the douchey guy, right? Like, Yeah. The- yeah. He like survived so many things to just be killed by the fire escape. I think that was actually Final Destination 2 because he was the asshole on the motorcycle. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wasn't on a plane. Um, but anyway, I had one from Dread, and it, well, it wasn't like a great one, but you know, you're, did you see the Harry Potter movies? Because fucking Bill Weasley had a small part in Dread as like <sighs> I this have hacker. seen the Harry Potter movies. All right, well, Bill Weasley was in Dread. And for some reason, they had, like, clawed his eyes out and then replaced them with bionic eyes. I don't know if it was a punishment or if they just wanted him to have bionic eyes. But there's a close-up on his, like, blue bionic eye. And it looks pretty cool because it's moving like the aperture of a camera. Nice. Uh, But, I mean, so it wasn't, like, a big shot. It wasn't a big deal in the movie. But it was just kind of a cool little, hey, that's neat. Um, They're just like, you don't need real eyes. Also, the opening scene of Cube from 1997, which I liked. They made a couple sequels to it. They made... They made many Cube movies. I only saw three, I think. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there's like five at this point. I was just watching something or talking to somebody about Cube. It was both, because I also then watched a thing I like How to Survive Cube. But, you know, the camera opens up on that guy's eye in the beginning, and it's like not like a super, super close-up shot, but it's kind of cool, because you can see the ridges on the iris. You can see the pupil dilating and responding to the light. And then it's great just because he gets up, goes into the other room, and, and literally gets cubed he's just walking and then like freezes all of a sudden you're like oh that's kind of weird and he's you see the red lines coming across his face and his fingers start falling off and the whole body just turns into cubes and you're like i get it the movie's called cube he got cubed nice my third honorable mention is just like the face close-up in fucking the blair witch project toward the end the most extreme extreme close-up ugly cry like in all of cinematic history and that's why i put it on my list yeah, it's super gross. Like, there's like boogers and stuff. But like, <laughs> I, I'm, I've never been into found footage horror movies. I watched that. Was like, this is boring. I tried um, the one where it's like, like rabies or whatever in like their apartment building, and I hated that movie. Oh, record! I love that movie. Are you talking yeah. about the Spanish, the Spanish one, or like the American remake, Quarantine? I don't know because I'm pretty sure I tried to watch both. So. Because I always try to do that. Like, back when I was a kid, I'd watch the American and, like, the Korean one, which would be ten times more fucked up. Um, <laughs> so, but, yeah, no, I, I just, I'm not, I'm just not into them. A lot of them involve super close-up face scenes. Like, I think the closest to one of those that I liked was Paranormal Activity, and it was mostly because of how much it bothered Amanda, and, like, <laughs> I was just laughing. She believed in watching- it? Dude, she's like, was that real? And I was like, there's an alternate ending. And she's like, yeah, but the demon. And I'm like, there's an alternate ending. <laughs> the demon didn't rewind and be like, let me do this again different. Yeah, the demon was like, I'm not sure I'm satisfied with that. Let's give it another shot. <laughs> Did that feel good to you guys? I think we should do it again. Um <laughs> she was like, I'll just spit you guys back out. You're you're not dead now. Uh <laughs> Action. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I didn't love the Blair Witch Project. It's not my favorite movie, but I definitely appreciate it in terms of like developing a genre. Because when it came out, there was not another movie like it, and they really fucking committed to it. Like the people that starred in it, they had the same names as the actors. Like the characters were named Heather. The girl that played Heather was Heather, and these actors were like not seen in public. 
for like three months. Like they kept it really under wraps and they made sure to use people that weren't famous. So when this movie came out, people genuinely thought that it was found footage. Like people didn't understand that it was a movie. And then eventually later, like, you know, the people popped back out, came to some red carpet events or whatever. And they're like, hey, here we are. Um, but I mean, you know, it was like, it was like fully immersive, like advertising at that point. So I just have to appreciate the ingenuity of it. Got to give him at least credit for like doing something entirely different than what had been done. All right. So before we go to number one, uh, let's talk about some fucked up eye scenes in movies. I have a list of ones that I personally found disturbing. Um, Just anything that involves something going into the eyeball has always bothered me. That's it. Lasers or splinters or whatever. All right. Well, in that vein, the one that fucked me up as a kid, like quite a bit, was from Child's Play 2 from 1990. That was the one where Chucky gets like reborn at the toy factory or something. And there was a scene where this guy fell on a conveyor belt where they put the doll eyes in. So he's like going down this conveyor belt and it like stops and holds him there and like jams the doll eyes into his eyes. And then he just like theoretically is dead. I guess it was far enough that it punctured his brain. I don't know. You know, actually, there's a show that I just watched recently and it's a British show, but they made it an American. It's a utopia. And in Utopia, there's this scene where they're torturing this guy. And the way that they're torturing him is they keep taking different substances and putting them into his eye. And I think, like, it starts with, like, like dirt and sand, and then it escalates to, like, bleach. And by the end of it, his eye is, like, bulging and, like, red and veiny and, like, disgusting, like, discolored and just all messed up. And then the dude picks up a spoon and he's like, all right, well, you're going to tell me because this is the last thing that I have to use today. <laughs> and like, they get distracted and they have to go and do something. So he doesn't even get it removed, which honestly at that point would have been be better, a better right? option. Yeah. <laughs> oh, salt. They put salt in his eye because they're trying to find this girl. And the whole movie is like, or the whole show is they're trying to find this comic book that kind of like leaves secret clues about this, uh, this corporation that like is kind of causing natural disasters and plagues and stuff to happen. And so like this manuscript pops up and it's like the sequel to the first one. And like, everybody's hunting down this book and that's what it is. They kind of get like, I don't know. It's hard to explain, but yeah, you should watch it. It's good. And what, where is it streaming? Uh, Amazon prime. Okay. Maybe. Oh yeah. That's new, right? Uh, maybe I'll yeah, check yeah. it out. Um, all right. So other, just quickly, other ones that fuck me up. Did you see the eyes of my mother? No. It's this really fucking weird movie that's in black and white from 2016. And it like opens up with this little girl and she's home alone with her mother. And this traveling salesman stops by and goes in the house to like try to sell something to the mother. The girl walks in and the guy like murdered her in the bathtub and she's all covered in blood. The father comes home beats the guy up and they like lock him in the clock, like lock him in the barn. And she grows up, they have like cows on the farm. And the mother was like a scientist that studied eyeballs or something. So she has this like habit of taking people and putting them in the barn and like removing their eyeballs and cutting their vocal cords and keeping them chained up and then petting them on the head. Like they're her friends. Cause she watched her mom die. Then she just becomes a serial killer. Nice. Yeah. She, she keeps the guy that killed her mother, like in, in the barn as like her best friend for a while and like she's like you are belong to me now basically and she brings this girl home at one point and the girl's like awesome we're gonna have lesbian sex but then she ends up in the barn too with her fucking eyes and taken out and her throat cut it's it's there's a really fucking weird movie i'd i don't know if i'd recommend it but it's like worth watching at least once i guess 
And then the one that's going to like fucking traumatize you is, have you ever seen Zombie? It's from like 1979. No, I know about it, but no, I haven't seen it. It's another like Italian directing a movie in America type type one. There's a great scene where there's a zombie underwater and it's a real shark swims past it at one point and the zombie like punches it in the face. Wasn't that one of the ones that like almost got like legal ramifications for it? Probably. It's kind of on par with like um, Cannibal Holocaust in terms of like gore. Actually, I think I have seen this movie. I'm not going to lie. Do you not it remember? Was really, it was a really long time ago. Like I was a kid and I'm pretty sure it was don't watch this and then i i did do you remember the eyeball scene no the zombie's pulling a person toward like a four inch splinter that's coming out of the wall vaguely remember this so yeah i do kind of remember it pulling it right toward the person's eye and it's like a fake eye obviously but the special effects are pretty good and they show that that thing like just pierce the eye and go directly through it and like continue on down and it's just it's pretty it's pretty graphic that's the stuff that messes me up yeah, things going in the eye fuck with you, then that's like a, definitely a scene worth watching. I believe that's on Prime right now, too, so... Splinters in general are like the, the things that I don't like the idea of, and then it's just where it's going just makes it worse. All right, so uh, that brings us to number one, and number one is... I think it was probably one of the creepiest eyeball scenes in any movie. Um, Goosebumps. No, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre from 1974. It's the scene where the main protagonist, Sally, is being forced to have dinner with the uh, the family. And the Sawyers? Yeah, they wheel in like the old grandfather who's like half dead or basically looks like a corpse in his wheelchair. And they're all sitting there mocking her while she's crying because like her friends got murdered, her brother got killed in his wheelchair. And she's just sitting there horrified. And the movie just does this great job capturing just like complete horror, terror, and confusion. Because the camera keeps going back and forth between like random close-ups on her eye and her like jerking her head around to like different shots of the people around the table like laughing or mocking her or talking to each other. And it's very disorienting in that sense. And and like it does those close-ups on her blinking. And at one point it gets so close that you can like see like every capillary in her fucking eyeball. And it was um Do you know why that is? Like why everybody in that scene was so intense and like that? Let me know. So it was it was a Texas summer. They didn't want the air conditioning on because it was a low budget movie. Um, so it's like a hundred and something plus degrees in that house. Uh, the dude who plays the granddad didn't want to remove his makeup. So they shot for 36 hours straight because he wasn't going to sit down for another five hours to have it put on. So they're in this house. It's been like a day and a half. It's a hundred and something plus degrees in there. Everybody smells bad. And what? all that food on that table has been sitting there in the Texas heat uh, all, so it's all day. <laughs> so I heard that the only breaks these guys were allowed to take were to go outside and throw up. <laughs> that actually makes a That's lot of sense. real horror in most of their faces. <laughs> Toby Hooper like tortured these people. Yeah, and then he made fucking Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, and I'm still trying to figure out what the hell that was supposed to be. That was the first one I ever saw, and I thought that's what they were supposed to be like. It has nothing to do with the first one at all. It's basically a comedy. The only one I haven't seen is number three, the one that's just called Leatherface. I don't think I've ever watched that one. There's a lot of them. I've seen most of them. But yeah, the second one is the first one I saw, and I thought that that's what the movie was for a long time. Like I thought that's what the Texas Chainsaw Massacre was, 
And then I saw the original and I was like, man, this is really slow. Yeah, no, the first one has almost no blood in it at all. It's more like psychological kind of horror. Like, I don't, there were just so many, it was more weird than scary. Like the scene where the grandpa is trying to hit her over the head with the hammer and they're trying to like get him to do it and he can barely hold the hammer. And she's like, I'm still alive. And he's like dropping the hammer. Like it was just so it bizarre. Also, it also did this classic thing that they do a lot in these old school, like, well, not that they do a lot, that they had happen a lot these really old horror movies is where like there's just scenes that are like way too long you mean like they just did not stop recording it like they just yeah like it's it's happening and there's not like a lot happening it's just like this conversation that's 10 minutes could have been five minutes or two minutes you could have just been like let's go that's like a directorial thing though like there's a lot of scenes in fucking like every scene in boogie nights pretty much is like that but that's just paul thomas anderson that's just how he directs no but there wouldn't even be a lot of dialogue it was just like that scene, they're just spending so much time watching the granddad not hit her in the head. I don't know. That's actually one of my favorite scenes. I just found that to be probably the most like disturbing thing throughout it. There's a good book I have. It's like a like a literary theory book called Men, Women, and Chainsaws that talks like in a lot of detail about um, you know, like the POV of the killer and like just different things. I gotta find it. I got it in storage. Send you a picture of it. <sighs> They need to make more movies about serial killer, bad guy thing, monster people that puts them in a sympathetic light so you understand why they're the way they are. But we do have the Dexter revival coming out pretty soon. I'm excited for that. Dexter was bullshit. Dexter was a good show, though. It was much better than the books. I read like five of those. And and, I mean, the books might have been a little more true to how a psychopath would actually operate, but it just wasn't fun to read. So I just want to murder. I'm kidding. I need a boner to happen right now. My dad told me I can't just murder who I want to murder. Did they, did they do to, I, I think we're out of like recording this show now. Anyway, we're talking about like way off topic things, <laughs> but like knowing that he's gay, is that why they made him like a sexless person instead of being like, Oh, he's gay or like whatever. They're just like, he just doesn't like having it. Cause in reality, most serial killers, it's sex driven. He's not gay. The, the, the actor is no he's not he just said he's not all the way heterosexual oh my God. anyway do you think that's the same making him asexual had to do with uh his real life or they made dexter um like asexual to some extent but it was also just because he didn't like the messiness of sex like he liked things to be clean um they make him more sexual when he meets lila who uh is constantly naked and super sexualized. So he, he becomes more. Okay. I was always so confused about that. I was like, Oh, is it because of the actor or, and like, because the whole thing is like serial killers are usually sex driven crimes. That's sex crimes. So this has been another exciting edition of Bearded B-Roll. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Bearded B-Roll and look for us anywhere you find podcasts. Feel free to email us with ideas and suggestions at beardedbroll at gmail.com. And check out our website, beardedbroll.com. You messed up talking about serial killers, man. I know a lot. Kind of have an obsession.